Hello, and welcome to the Real Tech, Real Life podcast, a conversational medley with four women who've been there, done that, and lived to tell about it. Welcome to episode number five of the Real Tech, Real Life podcast. I'm Lori Williams, and as always, I'm joined by Lori Asbury, Miriam Naruzzi, and Andrea Giametti. And today we're going to take a little bit of a detour from our series on the life cycles of a professional services firm. And Lori Asbury is going to walk us through mindfulness in the workplace, what it means, how businesses are benefiting, and how you can implement it in your professional life. And just a reminder that if you go to our website at realtechreallife.com, you'll be able to find some of the books and, and sources that she references. So Lori, over to you. Absolutely. Thanks, Lori. Um, But before I do that, what I'd like to do is start a little bit differently and just have us all take a few minutes to become present. So I would invite you to take a few deep breaths, bring your awareness into this moment, open your mind, let go of everything that happened before this moment, that crazy meeting that you just left, the the latest news story that you just can't get out of your head, uh, traffic, whatever it is. Let go of thoughts about what you need or want to do after our time together. Let all those thoughts have their own journey. And the ones that are important will come back to you later. Breaths and allow yourself to fully arrive in this present moment. I start, I start with something like that because mindfulness really is about being present, being in the moment, being very intentional about where you are and um, observing what is and without judgment, right? So it really is powerful. It shifts you into a different space when you're able to use your breathing just to arrive at a particular moment. So, you know, before we get too deeply into how this applies in the work world, I'm, I'm just curious from you guys, what it is that you think when you think about mindfulness? What is it that are that comes up for you? What you know? What words do you associate with with mindfulness? I would say being present, which is hard. <laughs> it is. There's so many pulls on our attention, and we we're bombarded with so many images and things to do. So it is. It is really hard to do. I was going to say the fact that we were all so slow to speak up shows you how much we probably need this podcast. <laughs> in our lives. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's so funny as, as somebody who has such a passion for health and wellness, this is an area I have done so poorly. Um, so about the only thing I ever related to with meditation, which, you know, I'm sure you're going to touch on. And it's not one of those things I've ever kind of combined that with business outside of using it to kind of try to relieve the stress aspects. Right. You know, that's a great point. And, and all mindfulness techniques really are a, a form of meditation. And so we'll, we'll talk on, uh, on that a little bit later, but, um, you know, I, I love your, your, um, um, recognition that so often in the work world, we think that it has to be very separate from, uh, what it is that we're doing in our professional life. Miriam, how about you? Anything that we haven't touched on yet in terms of the way you, you think about mindfulness? No, I think oh, you said it earlier for me, is being present and being uh, in the moment uh, and blocking everything else that's going on, which is a lot of words, 
but that's a very hard thing to do. It's very hard to stop thinking about everything else that you're involved with, to take a moment to appreciate and be there at that moment in time, to truly see the moment for what it is. So that's, that's right. what I think of uh, when I think my mindfulness and also makes me realize how little I can practice it and how, <laughs> how bad <laughs> I am at ever putting it into practice. Well, then you're in the right place because we've got some tips and tricks and some, some you know, we can, we can agree at, a, at the, the highest level that this is a very useful thing for us. And I think, you know, Andrea even mentioned, hey, you know, there's this thirst for it. Um, but, but how do you do that? You know, even if you think that, oh, yeah, I could really use that right now, what can you do practically to, to implement it in your workday? So, um, so we'll touch on those things as well. Um, so, you know, mindfulness is really just, as you guys said, increasing our awareness of what's happening in the present moment. The one thing that I would add to that, though, is that it's noticing without judgment. Because sometimes we can be very present, very aware of what's going on, and yet we have this talk track in our head, and it's full of very conditioned judgment. So that's another thing to keep in mind as we're going along. The practice of being mindful is being in the present moment and really opening up in a way that, that we might not have a lot of experience or practice in doing. Lori, when you say judgment, do you mean judgment of people or prejudging the situation or all of the above? Or none it can of be all of that. And it can be judging yourself. It can be getting caught up in... Um, you know, really having these preconceived notions, you're, you're filtering it through what your experience is rather than really listening. If, if, if it's a mindful listening exercise and you're listening with somebody who has a different view, are you already kind of putting together words in your mind to, to argue the point, to try to make them see your point? Or are you just really listening to what it is that, that they're saying? So it's often, you know, it's, it's interesting once you start becoming, trying to become aware of how often you have that judgment, you see it coming up a lot, a lot more than, than maybe you thought you did. Oh no, my first reaction when I heard that was like, oh my God, that's me at every meeting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, no, I'm like dead serious. I'm like, oh, no, this I, is really useful. Keep going, Lori. <laughs> I'm trying to think like, what do you do if you don't do any of that? Like, how do you... <laughs> Lori, we may need the remedial remedial version of this. I'm not sure that. Uh, so, I think we're starting from yeah, scratch. Basics, yeah. We just need basics, blocking and tackling first. I I do now see an ongoing series here, and so I'm thinking that uh, I think that we should all be assigned homework and come back together in a few weeks and see how it went. But, but Actually, yes, Andrea, I'm I'm aware of that. I've been in a few meetings with you, so. <laughs> That's what I am is for. <laughs> Talk amongst ourselves and make fun of. Um, Go ahead, so, so with that kind of definition, um, you know, I think it's important to think about why why it matters and, and why it matters at work. You know, I think people tend to think about mindfulness in sort of this spiritual um, practice category. And so, you know, I've had people say to me, well, well, yeah, I only do that at home or, you know, I'm not going to talk to my coworkers about it. Um, you know, and, and I'm just curious as to, to what your, what your take on that is. I mean, I think that for me, there's a real value in living an integrated life. 
Um, but it's not, it's there again, it's not necessarily an easy thing to do. It's not something that, that we have a lot of good role models for, you know, other folks doing it. So I'm wondering if you guys even bristle at the idea that this is something that, that you could possibly incorporate, you know, at work. I think you possibly can yourself. I think whether you do it as a group, um, or, you know, as part of the organization is probably based on the culture of the organization. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's actually it's truly actually fascinating. fascinating. I actually had a scoping call earlier with a company that does this. It's a startup that does this in organizations and tries to roll out kind of the benefits of all this. And obviously won't go into who they are and what they do. But um, so which leads me to believe there, there are cultures that absorb this and make it part of the culture. But I can't say I've ever worked for an organization where this was any part of the defined culture, which makes it a little bit harder to, to do. Yeah, I, I was going to add, I think the first time I was introduced to it in the concept uh, from the perspective of the business was listening to, um, I think his name is Jeff Weiner. He's one of the founders of LinkedIn. And he was talking about, he really was taking it more from the compassion side. Um, but I think it's hard to be compassionate if you're not mindful, right? Um, and so that was the first time I had actually heard a business leader talk about it. And so I think that, First of all, I'm really fascinated to see how it can work within a business, but I'm also curious and not to get down to, you know, the, uh, you know, kind of the bean counting side, but I'm also curious from an ROI standpoint, you know, businesses mm -hmm. ultimately, most of them should make money. Um, I, as we go through this, I'd be curious to know, are there any uh, tangible benefits as well that make it easier for them to fund programs like this? Right, that's a great point, and I think um, you know this idea that Andrea touched on that that it's certainly an easy first step to think about this from your own perspective as an individual, and you know th there are then ripple effects, right, that that are going to happen, and and you know whether or not you choose to do that in small ways or or big ways is going to depend on the group. Um, but I do think that there are some studies that have been done that show what those ripple effects are and that if you do it in a much um, bigger way, you can have cost savings on healthcare, for example, you can have productivity increases. And so there are some real studies that have happened that have shown that this improves productivity. Um, so it's not just, oh, we've got happier employees, but it's uh, data driven results. I would say that happier employees alone drives productivity. I mean, I think we all know if when you show up every day and you're excited about what you're doing, you're going to go up and above generally. You're going to do extra. When you don't have that, that's not going to happen. So I think even though it's probably, that's not a tangible ROI, mm -hmm. I think it makes a massive difference, you know, in any place I've ever worked. So, Right. The other way to start to think about this is that you know, less on sort of this being a, a, a spiritual fix or even a spiritual practice, but it's it's really just a way to clear your head and become aware of sort of those emotional reactions or the reflexive nature of, uh, you know, I've I've been down this road before. I think I know, you know, what the the impacts are going to be, and you know, maybe leading to to really bad decisions. There was a Huffington Post article that really talked about it. Um, in that way. And I, you know, I think that as people start to think about the decision-making process and as we as leaders, you know, um, really try to open ourselves up to, um, you know, the, the most 
creative path forward, I think just being mindful can help quite a bit. It also really helps us to come from a place of clarity and compassion rather than fear. And so many bad decisions can be based on, on fear. So I think it's, you know, it's a way for us to get into a different space as leaders and as, you know, sort of corporate citizens. Um, you know, one of the, one of the other things, and Andrea, we should probably have you <laughs> cover off on this part, but I mean, there, there's some real physical benefits to, to being mindful, right? So, so it has an immediate impact on, on blood pressure. Um, in, in chronic pain management, there have been studies that have shown that, that mindfulness can be better for pain than morphine. Um, you know, in the, in the uh, hospice world, in the end-of-life work that I do, um, now we often do a combination, but we very often rely on guided meditations and on meditation practices as a way directly of dealing with pain. And is that because it reduces the anxiety or is it, is it more of a physical change? It's both. It's both. It's, it's uh, the physiological response to it. It's, it's, um, you know, there are actually changes in your body. Uh, and, and it's also, uh, working on, on your mind, uh, as well. As you're talking about this, Lori, I think, uh, and I am thinking about how mindfulness can come into play. I think in, especially in business, there are benefits to you by practicing mindfulness, but also the benefits that people around you get by mm-hmm. being in a room with someone who is mindful, because I know that it's not always easy to um, keep all those perspectives in mind when you're dealing with your teams, you are in a business situation, but I feel that being present allows you to hear people better. Yeah, and I, I actually is a good segue. Mm-hmm. I was gonna ask, so, I think we agree there's benefits, um, probably a lot of work to be done to determine, you know, how you actually show, uh, bottom line impact. Although I firmly believe it's there, but how do you do it? I mean, it's, you know, we live in a world where I literally am sitting here with five devices in front of Mm me. Um, you know, (laughs) I, I try really hard, um, especially meetings and, and I started this with my personal life and then in also now in business, but really trying to focus, but it's, it's freaking hard. Um, so, you know, how do you, how do you go about trying to force yourself into the here and now and, and putting blinders onto everything else? So let's start with one example. Um, Janice Muritano was at General Mills and General Mills is a company that you wouldn't necessarily think of as being on the cutting edge of, of, something like this, but they in fact launched this pretty robust um, mindfulness program uh, throughout their their company. And she was there at this time and and she's since gone off and founded this Institute for Mindful uh, Leadership organization. Um, And she, you know, one of the things that she's talked about is that you know, we have too many meetings, nothing gets done. It's just one of the most draining things that we do. And her suggestion is one of the most simple thing is to recognize that we just can't multitask, you know, as much as, you know, Lori, with your five devices, we are going back and forth. We've got our phone, we've got our laptop, but we're really just switching very quickly and, and not giving our full attention to any of it. And so her thing is, 
to do a meeting without electronics. And that's, you know, that's where you have to make that decision, you know, that Andrea was talking about. Do you, you know, just want to try to do this on your own as an individual, or do you want to start to introduce it into, you know, the way that you work? Um, and, may, and maybe it's baby steps. Maybe there are times where you can do it and times that you can't and just kind of float it out there and see. So if it's your meeting and you want to, you know, set the ground rules, that's, you know, that would be fascinating to see how it changes the group dynamics where, you know, people may be awkward at first, but where, you know, people really have to focus on each other and what's done. Electronics. That, that's an interesting one. And I'm a little bit mixed only in the sense that I literally can't use a pen and paper anymore. Like I can type <laughs> your speaking to me, but I can't take notes with my hand. <laughs> but that said, I'm also one of those that drives me batty when I'm in a meeting and nobody's paying attention. Everybody's mm -hmm. on their phones and checking emails and doing these things. And we all know working from home from all these years, every single one of us is not paying attention. We're doing something else. And so I think there's a huge amount of value in going kind of back to that as long as people understand what the exercise, like if I walk in, you know, in the role, I've been in sales for years and I walk into a prospect meeting and they tell me I have to put my laptop away. I'm like, well, how am I going to capture what you're telling me, you know, kind of a thing. So it has to be used in the right way. But I, I think, yeah, it's such a problem. I mean, it's, we all do it. We cannot, and electronics, I think is the driver for a lot of us having um, you know, limb, such limited focus nowadays because we go from one to the next to the next to the next. So, um, so anyway, I think it's it's definitely under so, the right circumstances. Right. I'll share a story that um, where I did a meeting where you know I I didn't feel with this particular group that I could go all in on the no electronics. Right. People are going to have it, but I also wanted to recognize that. This was a collection of really um, driven, busy people who were always doing 10 different things at once. And so I had this, this meeting where the door to the conference room was closed and on the outside of the door, I put a suggestion that before they came in to the meeting that they pause and take three deep breaths to fully arrive before joining the team. And I thought, you know, this is taking a chance. This could be so goofy, right? And the executive director came in, who is always, you know, in a million different directions. Um, her deputy came in, and I and she's very scattered, very effective, but always she's never focused on what you're saying. And partway through the meeting, she said to me, she acknowledged, hey, you know. I feel like I'm in a different space in this meeting than I normally would be. Now she was still checking her phone and she still had her laptop, but she acknowledged that, you know, that was the guidance and she had followed those instructions and it was just a baby step. Right. So, you know, I offer that up as, you know, it doesn't have to be all or nothing and you can try to gauge it. You can try different things. Um, but you don't have to do it as a group either, right? There really is power, like Miriam said, about being that role model or having role models who are present themselves. And so one thing that I do is just pause before I pick up a phone or before I click on join the meeting and just do, do a quick breath. You know, people think about meditation, oh, to meditate, it has to be 30 minutes, right? It doesn't. You can just do a couple of deep breaths and just that intentionality of saying, okay, I've been... My mind has been like a monkey. It's been everywhere. I'm just going to relax. I'm just going to come into this space. 
I'm going to go off autopilot. Um, so just doing that before you engage with others to me is, is useful. I've actually done that quite a bit. Use the breathing and simply the three or four deep breaths and just to try to kind of, when you get either anxious or upset or stressed about something and it, it definitely is effective. It, you can kind of feel the difference and you kind of let it go. So definitely agree. I think it's also something you have to practice uh, to get better at. I know uh, I've been mm -hmm. using the Headspace app and uh, I know I think Andrea's used it. Others may have as well. Um, but it really, you know, it takes a while before you can actually shut your mind down enough um, to the three breaths is a great start, mm -hmm. but it requires practice. And I think to do it within a group, um, it requires the group to do it before, you know, multiple times to practice as well before you really start to see a lot of benefit. Well, it is. And, and there's a reason it's called practice and we're not, we're not perfect at it. Our mind does wander off. And, um, you know, I think, I think the, the repetition is, is what, what gives its power, gives it power. I think something um, that I what? also heard that was, which was very interesting yeah. to me is uh, seeing that uh, I was, uh, last year I was going through a lot of stressful times and I think mindfulness was starting to keep popping up. Friends telling me, be more mindful. You need to be more mindful. Figure out a way to be mindful. <laughs> and I remember talking to my 12-year-old then and she said, mom, you're learning about mindfulness in school. Mm -hmm. And I, I love that because I feel... Um, maybe our generation mm -hmm. didn't have the opportunity or the reinforcement of the importance of this. So I love hearing. Mm -hmm. I, I was actually, honestly, I was very surprised, but pleasantly so, that my 12-year-old is telling me she's learning techniques. So that thing, maybe the new generation will have much better awareness and abilities and techniques to put in practice, but uh, we need to work a bit harder because it's not a natural, it's not a natural thing that either I was exposed to or even was aware of. I feel it's a new phenomenon in some ways mm. uh, for me uh, to have experienced it. So I think that practice for us probably, it takes more practice for us, but perhaps as we deal with the millennials in the workplace, they already come perhaps equipped, mm. better equipped than we all are in dealing with uh, being able to be in a much better place to control some of those external factors, even though they're but they're probably by far worse than us when it comes to multitasking. So it's much more natural to them. Uh, but maybe they've been better equipped to managing what we are struggling with um, in our generation. Oh yeah, that's a great point. And if you know, if you think about the natural state of of humans, especially as we start out as toddlers and small children at play, you know, being very present and mindful comes naturally. And so to, you know, have real world examples where there are school systems that are fostering that so that we don't lose it and have to remember it and relearn it, that, that is really encouraging. So um, what are some other ideas? I know, you know, I've, one of the things that I thought about was uh, just thinking about our workspaces, you know, Andrea mentioned the special challenges of working from home, but, you know, I think that that uh, our environment matters. And so putting some thought into creating a, a space that allows for us to be mindful, everything from, you know, whether we prefer messy or tidy workspaces to lighting and music and scents, and just curious if that, if you guys find that that makes a difference or if it's just... So funny you should say that because I just 
<laughs> I got one of the oils are all going to come in now. And so I got one of the little diffusers on my desk and was trying that for a little while. But like everything else in my life, Headspace app included, it's one of those you try for like a week and then you forget about it and it sits there. Um, but even even beyond that, the simple things like I when we got on this call, I shut down my email tabs and such mm. on my computer. And I think that one alone is probably the same for most of us. Is it's just that habit of you see that zero go to one or two or ten or twelve, and suddenly you have to look at it right now. Um, so simply shutting down, you know, my phone. I flipped it over, and my email tab is not up, and therefore kind of requires me to focus on this. So yeah, I would I would say a, a couple of things. Uh, first is, and this is a little bit about the work the work environment you are in. We as a business, you know, we, when we've worked together in the past, a lot of our time has been spent via hangouts. And I found that if I'm not on video, I don't focus because I know nobody can see what I'm doing and you can hear papers rustling and <laughs> all kinds of things I'm sure going. So video helps focus and really trying to make eye contact, even though, you know, you're clearly thousands of miles away. Um, I think that's one thing. Video conferences for me, regardless of the tool, whether it's Hangout or anything else or a real chat. Well, I, Lori's now turning on her camera. Yeah. Folks, um, all the recording can't see that, but I know she turned it off, I think, for bandwidth. But um, but no, I mean, I think that makes a, it makes a big difference. I, I think the, the second thing is if it's a single, if I'm just doing something that I need to focus on and there aren't other people involved, um, music helps, uh, preferably calming music. But mm -hmm. also to Andrea's point on the tabs, I have gotten to where I have different um, tabs open for different purposes. Cause I'm, I, I don't like to shut everything down cause I'm afraid I'll forget it. I'll never find it again. Um, but at least I have, you know, one, uh, one uh, series of tabs that's open for work, one that's open for personal. And if I'm working on a task, I will force myself to just put it all just on the one tab and not go back to the others. Um, because the second I go to look at email or something else, I, I get, you know, consumed with it. Uh, and so that helps me at least keep my mind where it needs to be because the, the computer's the worst. You can't turn off the ability to hyperlink and I'm the queen of hyperlink. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it, it keeps me from, uh, just popping all over the place when some, some, you know, message, I turned off all the notifications on my computer. Um, anything I can do to kind of keep myself, uh, focused on, on something. Those are great tips, you know, and it just reinforces <laughs> something that we've all said in this podcast is hard. I mean, it's amazing how, um, how hard these things are, how simple, but, um, you know, it's just not easy. Um, one of the other things, especially working from home, but if you're working in an office and you're just go, go, go throughout the day and not having, um, feeling like you don't have time to take breaks. I mean, first, I think there's great benefits in getting up and being physical and, and, and walking around. But um, there's so many opportunities throughout the day to, to practice mindfulness, right? Like, Lori, you talked about it being a practice. And so one of the things that we do often is just eat without thinking. And this will, <laughs> this will be a hot button for Andrea as well, right? So, you know, just sitting at the desk eating without, and you're not even thinking about what you're eating. So there's, or, or drinking as Lori <laughs> toasts us with <laughs> her glass of wine. Um, that's okay. <laughs> but just, uh, you know, uh, the, the practice or the exercise of mindfully eating, and that's something that's really hard for me to do because I always want to pair eating with something else. And I never think about what it is that I'm eating and really focusing on 
the food and every bite. Um, so that, just curious, Andrea. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's actually a huge one. So when you get into kind of health and wellness and stuff and folks that it's literally, you know, one of the first things, if you really want to lose weight or get in shape or do all these kinds of things, you know, is to monitor what you're eating. And I think all of us do it. I mean, you sit there constantly, it's really hard to sit like for me, even if I go get a snack, I have my iPad and I'm reading my iPad and I'm eating my snack and these kinds of things. And to just sit there and focus on the food and um, is a huge thing, but it's, if you actually focus on what you're eating, taste it, you're gonna generally gonna eat less, you're not gonna overeat, you're not mindfully consuming all these extra calories that probably none of us wanna eat. And so um, I think we've all, we're all, we've all come to that point, I do the exact same thing. However, I do try to be conscious about, yeah, you know, you grab a plate of nuts and suddenly you've eaten your day's worth of calories while chatting on the phone and nobody wants to do that, so. Yeah, for sure. Hey, Lori, so as you think about, um think about mindfulness what is what is the methodology for your day do, do you start with it and how do you keep yourself dialed in I mean, are there secrets to that because you know I can try to do my headspace every morning and I do um and although sometimes I find myself constantly making lists the whole time I'm trying to do headspace because I don't know why <laughs> um but but so let's say you do get in the zone how do you keep coming back to the zone because you know life just comes at you and how do you keep it dialed in? Well, it does. And, and I, you know, the way I look at that is that's not a problem. That's, that's life. That's the human condition. That's the existence. Like we learn something and then we forget it briefly, sometimes, sometimes for a long period of time. And then we remember it. It's like, oh yeah, I knew that. I knew I feel better when I start my day with headspace and I'm completely mindful, you know, but, um, but I don't, and I used to, right? I used to beat myself up. I used to say, you know, either I'm really, really good at this or I'm not, you know? <laughs> and I do it like with Andrea's oils, I do it really religiously for a couple of days and then I wouldn't, and then I'd feel really bad about myself. <laughs> and, and today I don't do that. You know, it's, it, I think that's a natural thing of, of getting back. And it's, you know, you touched on it yourself, Lori, about this being a practice. And so the more we practice, the quicker we get back. Um, for me too, it has to be many different things. It's not just one. Um, and I have to give myself the flexibility. I'm not somebody who has a really rigid routine. Um, I prefer to incorporate it throughout the day. So some mornings I'll get up and I'll meditate first thing before anybody else gets up. Some days I'll wait until I've done the school drop off. Some days I'll do it just before I go to bed. So I need that flexibility but it's unique to every individual. You know, other people might want that rigor. Andrea, I'm going to guess that you've got the rigor. Are you the rigor girl? <laughs> Not in this, in some things in my life. Yeah. It's like <laughs> things like, you know, getting up and working out and getting a routine, which, you know, actually the funny thing I was thinking to myself this morning, um, and, and maybe it's the different personality types, but it's routine. Um, so something like working out, like I'm in a routine where I can get up and I go do my workout and, I, and I'm done with it. But take, for example, like um, last time I was, last year when I was training, I was swimming twice a week. I'm not in the routine for swimming. So the thought of getting up tomorrow and swimming, mm -hmm. I, I, no, you know, when it's the routine and that's what I'm doing every Tuesday and it kind of works, I do it and it happens and, it, you know, but as soon as you get out of the routine. And so I think with the mindfulness step, I've used the head stays fast probably no less than five different times where I've gone through the 30 days and I'm like, I'm a huge believer in this stuff, mm -hmm. but I don't do it. I've downloaded gratitude apps and I've gone through and I've done them. Um, I got the oil diffuser and I go through it and it's like, <laughs> but 
I think so for me, if I did make it a routine that, okay, every morning I roll to bed, I do this for 10 minutes and I go, it, it probably would, would work. But when I don't do that, I am not good with, um, I think that goes with anything. Mm. Um, and maybe that's my personality type versus yours who can kind of fit it in through the day. So mm. I think habits are hard to form, but once they're formed, they stay with you. So I agree with you, mm. Andrea, on that. Um, my personal challenge with mindfulness is that I feel my whole, my whole life is about hurrying and finishing things. Um, mm -hmm. I feel in order for me to be successful at being mindful, I need to slow down. Mm. And I have a hard time slowing down. I think everything that I do, it's almost like there's something else that needs to get done. So I never get to enjoy now. I'm fully aware that I'm not, but at the same time, I feel how my life is it's all about the next thing and what's to come and slowing down is what I feel I need to work on um, if I, mm. I'm able to slow down then you know what the right things are um, so I, I feel that's my personal challenge and um, I'm not sure whether you reach your age in your life that you kind of like naturally <laughs> do that better um, I think our lives are so busy there's so much that's going on it is hard to slow down it is hard to stop and smell the roses or whatever that may be. I mean, I know that I'm on vacation and thinking about something else and I'm constantly debating in my head that I should stop doing that because I need to enjoy the moment now, but it's a conflict. Mm. But uh, so I, I feel that's the biggest thing that I need to work on, that slowing down part. Um, but yeah, it's work in progress and habits would be great to be able to form a way to have Habits like working out, that becomes a natural part of you. You don't have to think, think about it. You just do it. I think you guys have, have it harder, especially at home, because you've got kids. And you can't obviously can't control kids interrupting. Um, I don't have kids. But uh, I think one of the things I've learned, as I've gotten older, it's gotten harder for me. And I don't know if that's because maybe things matter more, or uh, maybe mm -hmm. I just have too much going on, or I just have, have over time let it become a snowball of, I have to constantly be doing something. And, you know, it's, it's a big part of the reason that, um, I've decided to go away for a week and try to be silent. I'm going to get kicked out. I know. Um, <laughs> but I feel like I sort of need the cardiac paddles for, uh, for calming my brain down a little bit. Um, and you know, I, I, but I do, and I, part of it is the multitasking part of it is, um, you know, I spent a, several years where I was trying to cover multiple time zones all the time. And that just, you can never shut down. Um, I don't know what it is, but I do think it's gotten harder as I've gotten older. Well, I do think the wiring in our brain, when we live that way, it does change. And so it's, um, you know, we get, we get in this mode where that is the way we're wired and, and to try to create these new pathways is 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 hard um and it and it takes time i mean the 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 thing that i always try to remind myself is again it's okay to um uh you know feel like you uh forget it or you're not perfect right uh, you know miriam used the words work in progress and 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 it is practice and that there is that key of you know whenever we notice our lives slipping into a certain pattern to notice it without judgment um you know i think that's a very key part of of the mindfulness concepts 
Lori, one of the things I, I think you and I, you may have told me this uh, when we were talking about this several weeks ago, but I do know that you know businesses, you mentioned General Mills, but I also know like Google has, uh, has put a big <clears throat> initiative around this as well. I mean, companies are really starting to get on board in terms of programs and making it easier. Uh, is, are there certain things they all are doing, or is this a little bit of an R&D kind of a, a exercise? They have. I mean, I think it, it's uh, it's still it, well. I think it varies, right? I think some companies are still viewing it as an R and D exercise, and some have very um, um, thought out programs. I think you know the Google <laughs> experience is pretty interesting in that you know even at Google, which you know I tend to think of as pretty cutting edge. You know, it's um, based in Silicon Valley, where you think that you know people have have much more exposure to this in, in, uh, you know, in all walks of life, right? But even they had a hard time um, trying to introduce uh, this, this concept of, of mindfulness at work specifically. And um, the, the, the engineer who, um, who introduced it uh, had a hard time with it until it was positioned as a workout program for developing your emotional intelligence. <laughs> <And> so <laughs> you know, that gets back to Andrea's point of knowing how the culture is going to receive it really does make a difference. A workout program. I like, so with goals and, and, you know, right, right. you got to make it goal oriented. I like that. I think because I think part of it there is that cult concept people thinking of it's kind of, I don't know what the proper term, you know, the granola crunchy kind of, you know, head in the clouds type of a thing. And so I think, you know, what's interesting when you see, there was an article floating around social media a while back with some executive who tried meditating for 30 days and they showed a picture of him like on day one and day 30. And you could just see kind of the, you know, the stress, the look of stress and all of these kinds of things were, were different. And, you know, and I've read a couple of articles like this with high-end, you know, CEO type executives who have tried this and, and you really see kind of the, the difference in them over time. And I think the more you get kind of these, you know, hard edge business types to kind of buy into it like that is probably easier to, to roll it downhill. But I think one of my personal things, it's like at the end of the day for you personally, forget your business. I mean, what's more important that you're happy and healthy or that you had a successful business outcome, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for me personally, I'm, it's more important that I'm happy and healthy at the end of the day, you know, so I think we all have to do what's best mm-hmm. for ourselves. And I think incorporating things like this into your life, even if it's you personally taking those breaths at work or, you know, stepping away for five minutes to meditate, um, you know, it's, it's, whether your corporation believes in it or not. There are also, you know, to, to your question about um, how companies are embracing this, there are more and more consulting firms, offerings. Um, you know, there's a company called eMindful, which um, businesses use for online programs. Um, this Google programs spun off into Search Inside Yourself Leadership Institute. So there's more structure and more resources for both for individuals and businesses. So I know we're reaching a little bit of the end of the, the time here, but I, I have a question for you and then um, any other questions that the, the rest of the folks have. But are there places that you would send us to go learn a little bit more about this or tools or places to, to go read or things that, that you would, you would recommend that would help us understand more? Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, the apps are a great way to dip your toe into the meditations. Um, you mentioned headspace. I use insight timer 
Um, I also go to YouTube and do guided meditations. Um, I tend to do a lot of um, sleep, guided sleep meditations. Um, so that's a great resource. Um, but there are a couple of books that are um, pretty good. One is called... And we can put these in our blog, by the called, way. Yeah, we'll put them in the blog. Um, one is called Mindful Work, How Meditation is Changing Business from the Inside Out by David Gellis. Um, and what, what he does there is he really describes how mindfulness has gone mainstream with companies like Google, General Mills, which we talked about, Aetna, Target. Um, and, and these are companies that have built extensive programs to, to foster those practices. But it also does a good job of um, providing some background uh, as well just to mindfulness and meditation so fantastic well, cool I feel much more informed now thank you for sharing all that I think I think I'm gonna make you guys my mindfulness accountability group and <laughs> I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna report back to you on how I'm doing with it. the truth is I like headspace because I like the guy's accent um, so that, that yeah. that's <laughs> me too <laughs> That is What's really the name good... of the app on the? Because I want to strangle that thing when I'm on calls and then it tells me to breathe. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I get this notification on my Apple Watch: breathe. <laughs> you probably. I literally. Breathe, I literally you got one as we were as we were recording this the episode. This is off on that one. <laughs> I think I want to do the head start thing because obviously I just want to. I stopped wearing my Apple Watch because I was tired of being told to breathe. So this is the goofiest thing because if I, if I close my eyes, I'll go to sleep and I do try, I mean, or I'll just zone out too much, but the, the, the headspace app has this little orange circle and it kind of like changes shape as it goes. So you remember the old, like 1970s lava lamps, you know how they were sort of, um, they were, they would kind of, uh, hypnotize you. Yeah, so that that's what it does to me. It sort of hypnotizes me into focusing. I gotta give that up a try. <laughs> Great. Well, good. Well, um, any other questions for for Lori? For good Lori. I think that was fascinating and something I need more to remind me again in a week. Yeah. Great. Well, thanks. We thanks so much, Lori. Each other. Thanks for walking us through that, and uh, we will definitely be putting uh, the, the the apps and the books that Lori mentioned, um, and I, Lori's also going to help us with a blog, um, and we're going to let you hold us accountable. Uh, every couple of episodes, we're going to let you uh, uh, give us a hard time and <laughs> ask us how we're doing on the, on the mindfulness track, because it, it uh, is definitely I'm something that... <laughs> Uh, that you guys have been on, on in meetings and hangouts with me. You know how bad I am about this. So uh, I think uh, hopefully we'll, we'll get better, get better and learn together. We hope you'll join us again on an upcoming episode. But in the meantime, visit our website at realtechreallife.com. Check out our episode guide and leave us comments and feedback and questions that you'd like to have us answer in future episodes. Thanks for listening and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher.